the closer you get to your customer and capturing their voice, the easier conversion rate optimization becomes. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast. If you're not familiar with our format, well, each month we focus on a different marketing method. It could be email or SEO or ads. And each week I interview a different expert to explore the latest advice on making it work for you. I like to start the episode with a shout out to an awesome listener who said something nice if I can. And Jennifer Hall put on LinkedIn recently, ooh, this is my favourite podcast right now. We'll have a listen when it drops. So that was lovely to get that comment coming back. I think it was on one of my LinkedIn posts. And that's from Jennifer Hall, who is founder at One Voice Marketing. So Jennifer, thank you for listening. I hope this hasn't surprised you too much. Apologies if it's led to you getting a bit surprised. Well, this month we have been all about digital advertising. It's kind of a Q4 preparation month, getting you ready for peak. It's kind of a catch up on it all because we did Google ads really early in the year, Facebook ads a little while ago. It's also because the advertising space is changing quite rapidly at the moment. We've had all the iOS privacy changes and we've got a lot more platforms now available for your budget. So it's a good time to be thinking about diversifying your ad spend, potentially. But you'll only know that if you take the steps that today's guest is going to be going through. We're going to be talking about how you actually come up with a good advertising strategy or a good marketing strategy, quite frankly. We're taking that idea of listening to your customers and breaking it down so it's really quite straightforward to do. And this is something you've still got time to get organised, to do well and to have in place so as it can help you create the perfect strategy for peak or for any other point next year, really. So we're going to be exploring all that in this episode with someone who's coming back, who's been a previous guest, a very good previous guest. So make sure you listen right to the end of the episode so you get all of my guest advice, including the Quickfire Insider Tips with a brilliant book recommendation. And then I'll be sharing my take on it all, plus outlining some more free ways we can help you improve your digital advertising even more. So stay tuned right to the end. Do you want more from your paid ad campaigns this year? Are you tired of disappointing results? Are your optimizations delivering low to no performance improvements? If that sounds familiar, it's because the game has changed, which means you need a chat with my friends at Digital Gearbox. They are masters in the art of pay-per-click marketing. Their expert team have helped transform businesses around the world with tried and tested strategies that actually get results. And... Right now, they're offering a free one-on-one consultation to 10 ambitious Keep Optimizing listeners looking to get more sales and better returns online. Only 10 of you can get this brilliant offer, so don't delay. Get your free consultation now. Head over to keepopt.com forward slash digital gearbox and let Digital Gearbox show you the true power of PPC. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then why not explore the latest technology on offer at e-commerce tech? 
We are going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in the tech space. To find out that and much more, head to keepopt.com forward slash tech. That's K-E-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash T-E-C-H. Keepopt.com forward slash tech to find all the best tools for your e-commerce store. In this episode, I'm chatting with digital advertising expert Rob Harrison Plasto. Rob is the CEO at Source9, home to the Empathy Blueprint, which you may remember from a previous episode. Rob and the team at Source9 help you take the guesswork out of your ad strategies and create a highly effective campaign that deeply resonates with your target audience. Hello, Rob. Hey, Chloe. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you back on the show. You always bring a brilliant perspective to things. It's great to have you here. But how have you ended up specialising in campaign strategy? Because you were kind of on that journey last time, but you hadn't fully got there. Yeah, so it all evolved through e-commerce and being a part of that through Moonface Studios and then going into helping other e-commerce businesses. And then you can take the guy out of the university, but you can't take the university out of the guy. And um, yeah, I ended up recognizing that a lot of my strengths were in strategy and in research, because that's what I'd been doing for years. And in many ways, that was why I was successful with the e-commerce in the first place. So then I started thinking, ah, okay, well, here's the differentiator. That's what I'm doing that's working. Let's really double down on that. And then also my wife is a lifelong researcher. And um, it made sense to team up on that as well. Um, so we now work together. And she's also come from a similar background in terms of social science and, and things like that. So it was kind of the the inevitable end point, maybe, or the inevitable destination? Yeah, our eyes locked over a crowded social science data collection module, and we've never looked back since. <laughs> <laughs> How all the great romances begin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Properly geeking it out. And then, um, yeah, when I was at the university, I led on strategy for one of the colleges there. And every time I went into any meeting to propose a, a particular strategy, I was surrounded by world-class professors as heads of department and the dean who would kick my ass if I didn't have insights and evidence to back up all the strategies and everything that we're doing. So I come from like a really rigorous background in understanding the relationship between the data, the strategy, and then what you need to do with it. So it's paid off in the long run. Yeah, I guess it's it's one of those things which academia gives you a grounding in is actually having to tie anything everything back to evidence not just i reckon this is gonna happen yeah and i think in 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 marketing and advertising there's a lot of and understandably so let's throw a lot of stuff at a wall and see what sticks and there's like let's try things out let's test that's all brilliant but you can um narrow the 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 field substantially and give way more focus by getting all the your ducks in a row at the beginning in terms of all your evidence and your insights yeah it's definitely a time saver in the long run, even if it doesn't feel like it on day one. But rather than keep talking about the theory around it, let's get into the practicalities because you're here to help us build a competition beating ad strategy. Where does that start? It starts by understanding this process of insights, strategy, and tactics. While most of your competition are running around trying to work out, should we be doing TikTok ads? Should we be doing this? Should we do that? Should we do the other? Take a breath. (laughs) 
go back a step and think, okay, that's tactics. What's strategy? Strategy is understanding which of the many things that you could do that you're going to do and making those decisions and limiting it down to say, okay, well, this is how we're going to do that. And that strategy is not just one, it's many, because you've got to be thinking about what media channels are we going to use? You've got to think about when and where you're going to place your ads. And then you've got to think about your creative in terms of like your copy and your video, your images and so on. And then behind all of those decisions are insights. So you start with the data. So rather than guessing or assuming or copying, which a lot of people do, which is totally understandable again, but you end up just doing the same as your competitors. So to get an edge on everybody else, you've got to go direct to your customer and you've got to understand them inside out and know them better than anybody else. And that's where all the insights work comes in. And it comes from a variety of different sources. There's so much that you can do. Just um, anybody sat with a, a computer, you can do review mining. You can go and talk to your sales and customer support teams. You can look at um, all the different reviews across all your competitors. You can even do some interesting stuff with ChatGPT, asking it questions about the types of people and the types of things that you're offering and, and asking it all sorts of questions. That can actually be quite useful too. Take it with a grain of salt, but it's there. It's good as a, as a jumping off point. But where it gets really interesting is where you start actually actively engaging with your customer and putting your customer at the absolute center of your strategy trying to see the world through their eyes and trying to understand exactly what they do and why they do it. And in particular, that last part about why, understanding the, the motivation for their behavior, that gives you a massive advantage over the competition because once you start to understand that, everything starts to make sense. But the only way you can get that is from having data from the horse's mouth loads of people have got lots of numerical data tracking data trends um, off the shelf quantified data that you can buy but getting the qualitative data the actual deep rich understandings of who these people are their needs their preferences their perceptions their beliefs the stories they tell the language they use who they are and 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 why they do what they do once you start to understand that then everything else falls into place because you'll know because you've spoken to them you'll know how to get their attention where to get their attention you'll know exactly how to do it what to say how to say it it feeds into your media buying and planning it feeds into your creative and your copy and if you do it well enough you can make the achievement of their goals and yours feel like pushing on an open door wow uh so much to dig into there rob i'm gonna start with a quick question um on the quantitative side kind of the, the desk research side then we'll cover a little bit of the qualitative before we go and talk strategies and and you know how to turn all this into something that actually happens so quantitative you you know you were mentioning about review mining and competitor reviews and the chat gpt google analytics all the other stuff we can pull together I sometimes find that that desk research phase can become a brilliant way of procrastinating your way out of never actually making any decisions. So, <laughs> and also we are in this world where the amount of data we could gather is infinite. So how do we work out when to stop doing that part of it and move on to the qualitative part or potentially they run side by side, but how do we work out when we stop doing the quantitative part? For me, the real value and the richness is in the qualitative. So the quantitative part of it serves two functions. 
First of all, it's there to help with the segmentation and to give you confidence in those personas or avatars that you've got and how you're segmenting your audience because you've got numerical data that can help you with that. And then the other use of it that I find is of high value is once you've got your qualitative insights to then test them at scale to get the quantification of those insights. Because during the qual, you might be talking to, I don't know, half a dozen people per segment. And then to quantify that at scale across much, much larger populations, that will then give you um, much, much more confidence and validity in the findings because you'd have tested them at scale with a much, much bigger sample. But yeah, there's a real danger to just sort of get lost in numerical data at the beginning. And also a bit of confirmation bias. You end up finding what it is you're looking for anyway because of what you've been searching for. And then you kind of get stuck in a loop. So uh, yeah, caution is, is needed. And at the end of the day, I kind of think of the quantifiable part of it as second or third order data. And that if you really want to understand something, you've got to go first order data, going back to first principles. And the only way that you can get there is through interviewing people, focus groups, ethnographies, all the qualitative stuff, because that's where the, the richness is. And that's as far back as you can possibly go to understanding directly what the needs, preferences and perceptions are. Got you. So we definitely don't want to get lost in the world of the numbers data, but we might want to use it to clarify who we're going to talk to. And then we'll almost certainly be using it once we've spoken to it. So like if you are running, a, I don't know, if you're running a mugs website, terrible example, but we'll roll, roll with it. And you think all your customers are buying mugs for themselves. And then through the qualitative, you realize most of them are buying mugs as gifts. Then you would go back to the quantitative to try and get to grips with how that actually functions. And, and you know, or you may be looking at it and you'd suddenly discover there's a whole load of people buying it for their teacher, which you'd never realized. So then you go back to the data and go, actually, is this just, because I'm in a space, we're not talking to hundreds of people. Is this something that scales up? How mm -hmm. many mugs are we selling towards the end of term and towards the end of the school year? Is there a correlation here? So it's kind of sense checking, quick dives into the numbers data, but really our time and effort spent on the qualitative. Yeah, for me, that's it's a super interesting place because it's where you can capture what's emerging. Lots of quantitative data shows you the past. Lots of big data, big data analytics and so on. It's the same principle behind things like ChatGPT as well. What they're doing is they're pulling on all this data that's recorded about what people have done and they're making predictions about what they may then do as a result of that. Um, so it misses the, what's emerging. And when you've got contexts of high insecurity and uncertainty, always relying on that data is risky because it's showing you how things have been, not how they are or are going to be. Those, the predictions that you can make from that data become less and less robust the more uncertain and changing things become. It's a bit like the investment policy caveat of past performance is no, no guarantee yeah. of future performance. I would take a rough guess. Some of our audience are going, but I speak to my customers every day. Why do I need to do qualitative research? I know them inside out. And some of them are going, what, you actually want me to speak to them? So <laughs> how do we do qualitative well? What's the, what's the basics of doing it so it's actually a useful use of our time and the customer's time? Having really clear objectives, understanding what the problem is that you want to solve. So looking at what's going on in your business, looking at... Um, where you want to make most gains or solve the biggest problems and have that as your guiding light. At Source9, 
part of our process that we map out and we share with everybody that we work with is this collaborative process of we have to pin down those objectives and we will help you to narrow your focus because everybody wants to do everything. So um, it, a big part of it is trying to get a manageable, achievable result. So really, really crystal clear objectives. And then everything gets built out on achieving those afterwards. And then the quantitative data comes in in terms of audience segmentation so that you're sampling the right people and you're talking to the right people. We do our own participant recruitment and we also video screen everybody before we invite them to an interview or focus group so that you get really, really good people. Because we've noticed that those two things are so important to success having really good objectives and having really good participants to draw on. Video screening, is that that you you do a mini interview with them first or you get them to self-submit? Yes. So people will fill in a survey saying, yes, I, I, I'm happy to be part of this research study. We meet them and check out who they are. There's actually quite a lot of professional interviewees out there in the world who will do this just to get the incentive and so on. And then there's a lot of online uh, vox pops and video panels that you can submit stuff to. But again, they're quite often basically professional participants. And if you actually want to know what your real customers think or potential customers, you need to know they're legit. So, for example, if we are seeking to find non-rejectors for a particular brand, so they don't currently use that brand, but they are open to it, we will meet them and get them to show us evidence of it. So is there something within that category that they already own? Can they show us something? Can we have a conversation with them and they can actually respond to us in a way that we can recognise that they know what they're talking about? Got you. So, so uh, to use an, uh, I'm going to move away from mugs, but I'm going to stay in the kitchen. I must be hungry recording this. But it's kind of like if you were selling saucepans that are perfect for induction hobs, you'd be checking that the customer has a has a cooker that has an induction hob and they don't have an argot or a gas or a something else. Yes, yes, exactly. Going back to the initial thing, like how do you do it? Well, you have really, really good objectives. You have really, really good recruitment. And then the research itself is designed in such a way to get to the heart of the matter and co-create the what we call the discussion guide. So what we're going to talk about. We are committed to deeply and empathetically understanding people that's our thing we're really driven by emotion so for when it comes to our interview guides and so on we're structuring those conversations in such a way that we can get people to open up feel really comfortable build rapport and trust we try to give as much opportunity for people to self-define their demographics so rather than us fitting people into boxes of like they're this age and they're like this and that we ask them to describe themselves and so much of it is about trying to elicit from people some deep human truths about like who they are what motivates them what moves them using stimulus materials as well to show them things and get their immediate responses on it and generally to capture as much information that digs into who they are why they do what they do their routes to awareness how they find things out what um, social media platforms they use and how often the sorts of accounts that they follow any kind of media use and consumption the things that they're into, the needs, the preferences, the perceptions, and so on. And that can span across brand, product, media, and creative as well. And we try to capture as many of those as possible so that you're ticking as many boxes as you can from one conversation that's going to feed into all those strategies. And you can think about them in this joined-up way. Um, so it's not just looking at one thing in isolation, but understanding that full customer journey 
um, and all the different interaction points along the way so that you can then design them to be as aligned to your customer as possible. Got you. So I mean, I could ask you a million and one questions about that, but I'm going to pause our, in, our data gathering section there because we've still got strategy and tactics to talk about. Once we've gathered that data, we've done the desk research, we've done the numbers part, we've looked, we've spoken to our actual customers, we've made sure they're the right people to speak to, and we've got loads of great juicy insight. I'm guessing sometimes it's blindingly obvious from that, some of the strategic decisions you should be making, but how do you, what's the process for going from, here's all these conversations I've had to, right, we're going to spend half our budget here and half our budget there and the key messages are this and the products we're going to focus on are that. How do you do that part of it? So a lot of this comes down to bespoke, tailored arrangements in terms of who's the brand, who's the business, what agency partners do they have? and then working collaboratively and cooperatively across those agency partners, or if it's just an all one in-house team, working across the different roles and responsibilities and understanding who's involved and what do they need and want. And ultimately, who's making the decisions and how can we best support them and create conditions as conducive as possible for those people to make decisions that just feel easy, remove all the guesswork and all the assumption which is why we try to bake in as much of that kind of thinking in the objectives in the first place. So there's this really crystal clear understanding of what the end goal is um, so that we can generate insight and data gathering such that achieving those outcomes is, is super easy. When it comes to the emotional and empathetic data as well, what I find really interesting to pick up on something you just said a minute ago is once you've got it, it feels obvious. <laughs> and you're like why didn't we think of this before or like hey i already knew that of course i must have known this this makes total sense because it's, it's so natural so much of emotion we approach from an intuitive basis rather than like a logical practical one but once you apply these these lenses and these organizing principles it does it feels super super simple but yeah it's all about collaboration and understanding what's the end goal who's involved who's making decisions because at the end of the day this is all about making those decisions easy and reducing risk the interesting thing i find about you know you came straight in with it's all about collaboration it's all about working across the team is that it, it i take it that at that point you're bringing in what the capabilities of the team are what agencies we've got on the roster mm -hmm. what our budget looks like how much demand we can cope with and so that's the bit at which you bring the practicality in because it might be okay, they all watch this specific TV program or something, which may be out of budget, or it may be yeah. they've got a sponsor signed up for the next 12 months. You can't get in there anyway. So it's like, right, okay, that's, we know that's out off the table, but third on the list was, I don't know, Facebook ads, or the, you know, with the third most obvious was Facebook ads. And we're so well set up for that already. We've got someone on the team who's brilliant at it. So-and-so loves doing video. Well, then it would make more sense to go after that option first because that's our skill set, even though there's two things above it. Am I correctly interpreting that that's part of the strategy stage? 100%. Yeah, that's the collaboration piece. It's understanding what have you got? What have you not got? Where do your strengths lie? What feels good and natural to you? What's a real struggle? And then basically maximizing what you've got, getting the most out of, of your team, getting the most out across your agency partners, always looking to create as much value as possible, always focused on the customer and creating as much value for them within the means that you've got. Got you. So, so strategy, we're taking 
all that collaboration piece to pull what we've got, what we can do together with all that insight. And the output of that is our tactics list. Is it like that? Yeah. Loads of people run straight to tactics. Should we be doing this? Should we do that? Should we do the other? But by doing it this way around, it means that your strategy is essentially saying, we've got so many different bits of evidence here to say that we should be doing these things. Then we've reduced that down to which ones can we actually deliver within the things that we've got and that our customer actually wants, which then basically means that you know exactly what to do when it comes to tactics because you've worked it out. It's aligned with the customer, with you, with your team, with your budget. It's self-identifying. So you don't need to be running around going, should we be doing TikTok ads? It's like you already know. Yeah, that is the enemy of the marketer is everyone else is doing X. We must do X. It's like actually solve the problem, people. Solve the problem, listen to the customers, do what they say. So, so Rob, you know, out of the workload between these three sections, mm-hmm. where are we spending the majority of our time? And kind of secondary to that, people are hearing this in August. Q4 is not very far away. So is it feasible to hear this go, oh my God, that's what we need to do for our Christmas sales this year mm-hmm. and have time to do this in order to make an impact on Q4 2023? Absolutely. You can do this very, very quickly. It depends if you're doing this alone or if you're working with a partner. If you're working with a partner to help you with this, projects could be done very, very quickly. I'd say to do like a a nice juicy project to, to prepare for quarter four, you're looking at something like six weeks. Smaller pieces of work can be done quite quickly if it's just like you're looking to do some interviews and focus groups to test assumptions. You've already got the, you know, a lot of the strategic thinking in place, you just need some guidance, you need that customer voice. It's bespoke, it's tailored to the need, uh, but essentially anybody can do this. I mean, even if it's just talking to your your customers for your existing channels, even if it's something as simple as using different apps on your e-commerce store to survey people or to heat map, there's a real blurred line in here as well when it comes to conversion rate optimization. The closer you get to your customer and capturing their voice, the easier conversion rate optimization becomes, the easier your copywriting becomes, the easier the creative comes. Yeah, it doesn't take very long, but the impact that it can have can be felt across the business. And it just massively accelerates and increases the effectiveness of your your messaging, your positioning. And it's it's not rocket science. It's about going straight to the the horse's mouth, going to the source and understanding who they are, what they need and want. So whilst we all ought to be doing a proper juicy project to get all the right insight, mm-hmm. it would be better to do, to send an email out to list going, we're interesting, we're looking for participants, picking three of them, having a good old chat with them would be better than doing nothing. So even a really streamlined option. Mm-hmm. I'd also, um, I'd, I'd think really carefully about who you want to talk to in order to solve a particular problem. And then as a rule of thumb, we recommend people interview at least six people. And then if you want real validity as well, you, you, when it comes to like, a, you may not want to run a focus group because that takes a bit of moderation and training. But if you were feeling lucky and you thought, why not? Then we'd say, try to do two focus groups per segment. So you've got some validity there and repeatability. But for most e-commerce brands out there and, and smaller ones as well, I'd say just interview people and do about six interviews and think really long and hard about what it is that you want to understand and how you could set up a conversation to get that. And think about your product because you're going to get so many different ideas coming back in terms of your existing product. But what's really important is to ask them, what are you not doing? 
what would they love? What could you create for them that they're currently not experiencing? And to talk to them about your your media, how they're using it, um, and to talk to them also about your brand and your creative and test ideas with people, just so that you've got some added confidence going into those different campaigns, knowing that we have sense checked this, we have included the, the customer voice in this. And for me, what I really love is the stories that you hear. Even if you just spoke to six customers and had a chat with them and you started to understand the stories and the language that they use, all just off the back of that, like I've spent a lot of time as a copywriter, it's so, so easy to write good copy if you've had those conversations. It just writes itself rather than just sitting there scratching your head waiting to be inspired, which is I think I think this is a thing that a lot of people in marketing feel, which is like this uh, expectation or even this guilt that you're supposed to know everything. You're supposed to have all the answers. Um, that's your job. Where in actual fact, it's not. It's your job to know how to find out. It's your job to work collaboratively with other people to get the end result. You don't have to be this font of all knowledge. If you can go out and find out all the answers, that's a much better skill than just thinking, oh, I need to know all of this already without having looked or asked anybody else other than myself. That kind of thinking is understandable, but it kind of traps you in doing the same that you've always done or copying other people, playing it safe, not risking things that much. Whereas being more open-minded and having a bit more of a growth mind t- mentality, you start to think, well, no, I don't actually know what the best thing to do is, but if I know I go and talk to all these people, I'll find out. Simple as that, everyone. And I should add on the, oh, you don't know everything and it's okay not to know everything. Just today, the day we're recording this, I've gone back to two people on LinkedIn and gone, I don't understand what you're talking about. Can you explain it again, please? In e-commerce, in sustainability, things which I suspect a lot of people have gone, oh my God, did Chloe not know that? I'm like, no, they were using acronyms. I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. So, you know, if I'm doing it, you too can admit you don't know everything. Rob, that has been brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been great picking your brains about all of this. Listeners, remember to stay focused right to the end so you don't miss out on Rob's insider tips on digital advertising and my suggestions for more free resources to help you improve things even further in your business. Do you want more from your paid ad campaigns this year? Are you tired of disappointing results? Are your optimizations delivering low to no performance improvements? If that sounds familiar, it's because the game has changed, which means you need a chat with my friends at Digital Gearbox. They are masters in the art of pay-per-click marketing. Their expert team have helped transform businesses around the world with tried and tested strategies that actually get results. And... Right now, they're offering a free one-on-one consultation to 10 ambitious Keep Optimising listeners looking to get more sales and better returns online. Only 10 of you can get this brilliant offer, so don't delay. Get your free consultation now. Head over to keepopt.com forward slash digital gearbox and let Digital Gearbox show you the true power of PPC. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then why not explore the latest technology on offer at e-commerce tech? 
We are going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in the tech space. To find out that and much more, head to keepopt.com forward slash tech. That's K-E-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash T-E-C-H. Keepopt.com forward slash tech to find all the best tools for your e-commerce store. Okay, Rob, so far we've gone deep into how to create a competition beating ad strategy. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of digital advertising. So the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with digital advertising, which of course includes everything we've already been talking about. Rob, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? That simple three-step process of insight, strategy, tactics in that order. Sort that out and you're going to be doing a lot, lot better than most of your competition already. Simple as that, everyone. And it is simple. This isn't one of those ones where we go, it's simple and it's not. It is simple if you actually commit to doing it. Once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimising. What's your favourite way to improve performance? regular and ongoing feedback. Um, you can choose the intervals that you do it at, but just stay in conversation. Like I said earlier, this is kind of where it blurs a little bit with conversion rate optimization and, and getting the analytics from that. Um, but make it a regular thing that you're seeking to review your reviews and that, those of your competitors. And you're constantly staying in some kind of communication and asking your customer what it is that they need and want and what they think about things. Yeah, this is not once and done, everybody. This is a permanent part of your marketing approach as of now. Um, if someone listening wants to learn more, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? I'm actually going to throw a weird curveball here and say, um, if you want to understand your customer, you've got to change the way you think about people and where they're coming from. And the single most impactful book I've ever read that's changed the way that I perceive other people, communication and relationships to the extent that I've made it a core part of our offer at Source 9 and our framework and how we approach everything is a book called Nonviolent Communication by a guy called Marshall Rosenberg. It's got a terrible title, but it is fantastic and full of gold and it will change the way you see yourself and other people for life. That is a terrible title. Nonviolent mm. Communication yeah. in the book adding it to all our wish lists right now. <laughs> I'm 99% sure it's the first time that's been recommended across either of the podcasts. So kudos for that, Rob. And thank you for the recommendation. Finally, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for? Change, as always. Uncertainty, instability, insecurity, cloudy economic uh, landscape, which again, as I was saying earlier, means that as environments and situations change, people change, people's behaviours change, their preferences and priorities change. And just because your business um, did really well last quarter four, or you feel like you've got this fantastic strategy based on all the previous data that you've got, as things change, you can be surprised. So being able to stay in contact with your customer and understanding what's motivating them and what they need and want is the best way to reduce that risk um, that's inevitably going to happen because nothing ever stays the same. Yeah, so, so true. Rob, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimising podcast. 
We are very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business if they're going, I need your help. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. I'm most active there. So just search for Rob Harrison Plasto. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person with that surname. Um, So you can find me on LinkedIn that way. Uh, And then you can go to our website at www.source9.co.uk. Simple as that, everyone. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always great catching up with you. And you've given us such a straightforward way to really get to grips with what our, our advertising strategy should be. So thank you so much for being here. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Insight, strategy, tactics. If you spend the time working out which customers to talk to, talking to them and finding out what it is, why they buy your product, how they use your product, how they talk about your product, what's important to them right now. All those things you need to know in order to pick the right channels to do your marketing on, in order to get your content right on those channels and on your website as well, then it makes all your decision-making process so much easier, spending that bit of time up front, which as Rob was saying, Six interviews with the right customers is all you need to do. That's not a huge amount of work. You get it done in a week if you wanted to. You get it done in a day if you've got the energy for that. I couldn't do six customer interviews in a day, but you could take that approach. And even if you can only manage a few calls with customers to slot them into the diary in the next few weeks to help you perfect that strategy for the end of the year, it's well worth doing it. Then you get to the strategy part where you take all that insight you've gathered and you match it up with the competencies and the tools and the resources you've got to then create what becomes a very straightforward strategic plan because the decision making is so easy. It becomes really obvious what you need to do, how you need to say it and all the rest of it. And then don't just do this once and think you're done. As Rob was saying in the crystal ball there, things are changing so much at the moment. There's so much uncertainty and weirdness in the world. Your consumers' needs are changing too. So you need to be catching up with them on a more regular basis than once every five years. Let's just put it that way. So do repeat this. It's not a once and done. Okay, you can get our notes on this episode, the links to the things we discussed and more at keepoptimizing.com. Or you can use our special director episode short link. That's keepopt.com forward slash whatever the number of this episode is. And you'll go to the correct page straight away. When you get to the website, please do add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the things I share to help you improve your business. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimising podcast. Our whole set of episodes about digital advertising is now live. So please do have a listen to them all. Either scroll up your podcast feed or use the short link keepopt.com forward slash advertising to find all our digital advertising content on the website, including links to our recent deep dives into both Google ads and Facebook ads. Our next masterclass topic is the things you need to know to be ready for peak season. Yes, we're doing another Q4 updates month, so make sure you tune in next Wednesday to catch the start of that. And make sure you're subscribed to us or following us on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss a thing. And if you know someone who's particularly interested in digital advertising or getting ready for peak, please do let them know we're covering it, as this show exists to help you and them improve all your marketing. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimising at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.
Find the latest e-commerce tech at keepopt.com forward slash tech.